0: Welcome back Seahawks fans to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Santo, joined as always by the Han Solo to my Lando. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing?
1: You know, I like that you did that because I knew I was going to be either Han Solo or Lando and you can't go wrong with that.
0: Yeah, no, it's a it's a, win-win-win it's a because win, win, uh, because uh, joined behind us, as always, our Chewbacca. It's Eric Ronebeck. Chewy, how you doing?
2: You know, that's okay because I'm beloved and you didn't make me Hothalea. So I'll take what I can get.
1: Oh, I thought that he was gonna make you Job of the Hut, and I was gonna be like, "Dude, that's really mean." Also, Eric has worked on himself. He did a lot.
2: not make me lobot.
0: Also, also Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca is a great character. He has a crossbow. Yeah,
1: uh,
2: and he's nine feet tall. He makes stuff happen. Um, and if uh, Kevin wasn't here, um, if Nathan wasn't here, I'd be the tallest person in the room <laughs> by by far. That's supposed to buy half an inch.
1: Uh, I would like to say, in honor of OTAs, that uh, I can officially report on the Seahawks nest, Eric. Is in the best shape of his life.
2: Yes, looking forward to that ten-day contract. As I am now personal friends with all Seahawks, just hanging on
1: for hope. Uh Nathan has come in with a fresh new attitude after working with a uh, personal mental health advisor
0: named Odin. Did, did I did I do that? Oh, he's talking about talking to my kids. It's OTAs.
1: Okay. It's OTAs, man. Uh, You're
2: coming in the best shape of your
1: life. Uh, and I'm I would not. like to announce that I now have a aggressive attacking mentality on defense. I stopped spending.
0: <laughs> I stopped spending money on eating out. For, eating out so much that's wait, what i Coach. no, no kevin
2: kevin you uh you changed one thing in your training regimen and it made all the World of difference tied yes. the tire
1: with my left hand when i dragged it up the hill that's right. <laughs> all right so let's
2: let's go over the most up
0: upvi- the most upvoted thing from reddit this week this is what passes for news at this point in the off season. you guys ready we are in the dead zone ichiro received a text from someone he did not know this week it said Hey, I got your number from Alex Rodriguez. Uh, I, l- I like to see your stretching routine. Can I come out and stretch with you? Tom Brady. HRO looked around the room and said, who the fuck is Tom Brady? Which is just the greatest thing that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, that's what passes. That's what we're at right now. That's, that's the big Seahawks news of the week. The most updated voted story from Reddit this week. Who the fuck is Tom Brady? Guys, answer that
2: question. Who is he?
1: This guy needs a new stretching routine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, uh,
2: he's battling time. It's Tom versus time, guys. Long-term fans of the Seahawk Net, Seahawks Nest podcast will uh, – you all know that we love Ichiro. We adore Ichiro.
1: His and opinions on Cleveland and Kansas City. And everything and just life. Life
2: is Ichiro. Ichiro is life. And I'm just glad he gifted us with that gem. All right yeah i i agree it's uh, it's another just classic ichiro quote whenever ichiro speaks
0: english it's always great i cannot wait till they get some documentary where they can show his al all-star game pep talk speeches which are apparently just <laughs> someday man the the legendary most legendary thing of all time it's like people were like yeah i wanted to make the all-star team this year just so i could see ichiro's pep talk <laughs> like, like that that's uh that's how good it is so i'm very excited um other big Seahawks news this week: Brandon Marshall came in for a visit. Um, Kevin, in your opinion, would Brandon Marshall be a good fit for second or for out, second outside wide receiver for the Seahawks?
1: Um, he's tall and he's reliable at catching the ball, so it seems good.
0: Yeah, I think as long as he could stay healthy and also,
1: and we um, don't pay him much. Yet. Brandon
0: Marshall has a history. He's openly admitted like he has mental health issues. Living away from New York would be difficult for him, I think. So that is the other thing we'd have to consider: is like can we support him? emotionally while he moves from the West, East Coast to the West Coast. I think that's a legitimate
2: concern that the team should have. I think yeah. if it's one coach that could really kind of assuage those fears, it would be P. Carroll.
1: I also think that the lower-pressure media market out here um, could be good for him as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he took he took a role, the lesser money, to, to stay in New York. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just didn't want to come out here at the end of the day or felt like it wasn't right for him, but...
1: Yeah, it's a very personal decision.
0: And then the the actual real Seahawks news, the passing of Chuck Knox this week. uh, Seahawks legendary coach, the first... He led the Seahawks to their first playoff appearance, first playoff win, and first conference championship. Eric, you're the only one of us who was alive during the Chuck Knox era. <laughs> Not so true. That's you, so you <laughs> false. That is okay,
2: false. Okay, you're the only one
0: who was alive to remember yes, the Chuck Knox true. era. So can you please tell us a little bit about – you were, like, what, 12 during the Chuck Knox era? And at 10?
2: the end, I mean, he coached, what, 84 to
1: 92? Yeah, is like that the, correct?
2: Yeah, uh, He coached
0: Ish. 83 to 91. So me and Kevin would have been five, but that – that puts you at a solid
2: like ten, right? At the yeah, end? around that time. That's that's when I, you know, became a Seahawks fan. Was like when I was six years old. Uh, it's kind of hard to remember this, but the Seahawks were actually pretty good in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And before Holmgren, before Pete Carroll, Chuck Knox was like that great coach. He's in the Ring of Honor. He delivered us four playoff appearances, I believe. Uh, and actually, I think it's like six and eight years. Uh, a four, four in four in uh,
0: nine years, four nine but years. But he, he had a ten, oh. in, 10 and six season that where he missed the plus. He actually had you're thinking of how many winning yes, seasons that's he had. what it is six yeah. winning seasons, right? Yeah, Correct. um, which
2: and is a miracle in Seattle sports. Not to mention in the 80s, when you know, if you talk to Seahawks fans, they'll be like, Oh, we're so bad for so long. No, when you're an expansion team, you're gonna be shitty, and then we were good pretty quick. And the early 90s, before Holmgren got here, yeah, those were the down years, but Chuck Knox brought football to Seattle, smash-mouth football. He didn't invent the running game, but he's known for a ground chuck, which is basically running the ball 30 times a game, uh, getting a lead, and just running out the clock with the ball. Um, I will always remember Chuck Knox fondly, and uh, you know, I'm sorry that he... He dealt with dementia at the end of his life, but uh, that that was a great coach, and yeah. uh, I'm really glad he was with the Seahawks.
0: He was the first coach to lead three te- different teams to the playoffs. He was the 1984 NFL Coach of the Year for leading the Seahawks to a I think 10 and six record, 12 and four record, but they lost to the Dan Marino uh, Dolphins in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that. He was just a really, really good coach, you know, and so I. He was uh, the
1: first good franchise football coach that we yeah. had.
2: He turned the franchise around, which is no, no, which was no small task, right? Like, yeah, and he followed uh, Jack Patera, who was, you know, this legendary coach who came in here and couldn't do anything. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The uh, who were some of the the key players on those Seahawks teams? We had Joe Nash, Kenny
0: Easley, Jacob Green, Jacob Green, yeah. that was Zorn. That was Jim Zorn, Largent, uh,
1: Largent, Dave
0: Craig, Yep, uh, Kurt, Kurt Warner. Warner know, yep. so so this is like all those and guys easy. that you hear the, the, the
2: older generation of Seahawks fans talk to, they were all on this team. I would say uh, Norm Johnson. If you think about the Kingdom, if you have any fond memories of the Kingdom, it probably comes down to Chuck Knox. If yeah. not that, it's you know, Edgar's double. Yeah. It's Griffey, Edgar, and Chuck Knox.
1: It was uh the Chuck Knox era was strong and then we had um about a six year dry spell until uh the, the of late nineties when the team kind of started to rebound and then really put it together in those early and mid two thousands teams, um, but yeah, that was does Chuck Knox make the uh, the Mount Rushmore of Seattle professional head coaches? All right, mm. so the
0: the Mount Rushmore of Seattle professional coaches. I'm gonna go with you got to put Pete, you got to put Pete on there. And you gotta put uh Wilkins in there because those are the championship holders, yep, right? Yes. Those are those ones are unassailable. And then it's some combination, right? Of, I'd say Lou Pinella. Of four four or five guys. Pinella is is in the mix. Yep. You've got um, in the mix. Holmgren's in the mix. Knox is in the mix. Knox is in the mix. George <laughs> mix. Carl's in the mix. Yeah, I was gonna say you gotta put some more Sonics coaching there. George Carl led a lot of really good Sonics teams. Uh that 95, 95 96 Sonics team is like oh, the man. best. It's the best NBA team to not win a championship in my opinion. This like they were true. so good but they ran into just the buzzsaw of a of a Bulls team that was really well d- constructed and kind of played to Michael's strength. So I I think that it's some combination of those guys for the next spots. You have the first you have to go to the championship winners, though. You, yeah. I I don't think you
2: can really argue with that. And I think the only Mariners manager you can put up there is Lou and I don't know. I'd put him up there just because of You'd the You'd want to have things. a Mariners up there. I think so, you should. It's a, it's a it's a you know smack in the face for one of the big major sports not have him up
1: there. I, I just, would argue that the franchise is a smack in the face for the city. That's, <laughs>
0: that's kind of where I'm at too. Honestly, is like I really don't.
1: I'm so angry we couldn't get a championship out of those that number of Hall of Famers. Don't yeah. don't dwell on it. This is ladies don't gentlemen. Welcome go to mid-May in an NFL <laughs> podcast where we are lamenting the Mariners, 20 year ago baseball. The Mariners
0: <laughs> suck, dude. The you know the Mariners fans had hope this year, and then their their best player pissed hot, and now it's over again, so like it just taught you a lesson like never give in to liking the Mariners, just always stay jaded. Never have hope. Uh, just be like me and say, you know what? I'll I'll catch the Mariners either in person or whenever they have a chance to actually make the playoffs. Like I'll watch the clinching game on TV, but I'm not watching any Mariners <laughs> on TV. Like that's 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 just a fool's errand, man. I'm 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 chasing. I'm ch- throwing good after bad right there. We're if all I'm three watching Mariners, real Mariners fans. When someone says,
1: "Hey, you want to go to a game tonight?" We're like, "Yes, mm, okay, absolutely." Yeah. Live baseball is great.
0: Yeah, it's a good excuse to drink during the day. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a, I I like the Mariners. I want them to be successful. They're they're not my favorite team. Uh, anyone who knows me well uh, knows why. But the the I love the Mariners. Like I want them to meet. Uh, to losing the World Series to the Cubs every year, so so like that that that'd be my dream. But the it's just it's tough. It's really tough to
1: the opinions of to, Nathan Santo do not reflect the opinions of the Seahawks. Hey, West everyone America. else in this room is is
0: Mariners first. I'll tell you that. Uh, I respect so, your opinion, Mike. Yeah. You got, got those bloodlines. Yeah, it's the same, Mike. Uh, yeah, I got I got a good reason. So any you know if you want to know the reason, you have to message me on uh, messages Seahawks Nest on Facebook. Uh, but trust me, it's no joke. All right. So now that we've gotten our pissing on the Mariners out of the way, um, <laughs> Well you know what's what's crazy is that their their dad told them they never. No, I, I was going to make a Mike Trout joke, but I'm just out of it because uh, Mike Trout's Mike Trout's their dad. All right. Um, oh. That's it for Mar- Seahawks news in my opinion. Uh, there's that's it really for news. There's really nothing else. Uh, we signed another tight end, which we'll talk about that later. Okay, yep. NFL news. Uh, big, The big news this week, uh, Jerry Jones admitted he dropped the ball by not getting Tony Romo and Jason Witten a title, and I could not agree more. Jerry Jones is the worst GM in football. I don't understand why he has so much power in their room. Uh, it makes no sense to me. Because he owns the he, team, too. He, yeah. got, he got gifted a undrafted free agent quarterback who was a clear top five NFL quarterback for the majority of his career and managed to get like literally diddly squat out of it by pissing away so many draft picks and just doing so poorly in free agency. And saddling him with coach after coach who was just aggressively mediocre. I hate Jason Garrett. So like I, I think... Yeah, you, you get what you deserve, Jerry. You you done goofed.
2: Yeah, that's the key. He does deserve it. I mean, look at Dak Prescott's first year, Robo sat on the bench at the end of the season. Dak Prescott, really good quarterback? No. Maybe Tony Romo should have started. I know that would Tony have been Roma controversial, have played, but he should have played in the playoff games at least. Yeah, no, seriously, what,
0: what have rookie quarterbacks ever done in in the playoffs? We had one of the greatest rookie quarterbacks of all time on our team, and he still had to take his lumps in the playoffs. Ben rookie
1: Roethlisberger, cor- but that was a run run first and defensive led team. Right,
0: that team had like he a bunch of hall of Fa- bunch of hall of famers on it that were not at other positions. Yeah, I just I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But you know,
1: you know, uh, Jerry Jones suffers from Al Davis syndrome. Al Davis couldn't stand anyone besides Al Davis being the star of the Raiders. Baby, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones can't handle anyone besides Jerry Jones. Baby. Being the star of the. <laughs> I've just Al- got to be Al Davis for a second. Know, baby, baby. Like, it was too many times, it <laughs> was funny. really distracting. <laughs> but, um, pulled a Kevin right there. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I know I can't handle it. I got, I, I no, I think it. that's a
2: genius comparison, Kevin. That's that's really true. Got he's, that
1: one title and then you know pissed away after that. Assumed the that they could just all- make it just... happen whenever they wanted. Except
2: yeah. uh, Jerry Jones did not do any sort of press conferences via using an overhead projector. But anyway,
1: yeah. Um, no, instead he just had the world's largest screen built in his stadium. <laughs> favorite, favorite, S- like you said, modern.
0: Favorite stat of the week that came out of Reddit, Eli Manning's the only active NFL quarterback with both a perfect passer rating and a game with the worst possible passer rating, a (laughs) Um, 0.0. Insert a random Eli Manning face if you want to know Eli's reaction. Peyton Manning also did it. Uh, So uh, the actual real story this week. Are they the
1: only brothers to do it? i hope so
0: no i think the property brothers did it too uh okay uh, i can't believe i made that joke <laughs> I, i'm off the podcast next week guys for that one uh you, you are i had to put a dollar in the swear jar but i didn't even swear uh u.s supreme court rules federal ban state sanctioned sports betting unconstitutional decides case in favor of the state of new jersey floodgates are open 11 states are saying they will have sports betting instituted within the year um, there are people saying that they will have sports betting, US, legal US sports betting websites available within 90 days. Uh, so, what, how do you feel about this? Eric, let's start with you. Eric, how do you feel about. Uh, Wait, really
1: quickly uh, plug for the in season quick shot where true. you will get yeah. R prognostications now potentially you might get your dollar 24 back yeah just saying. yeah mar, <laughs> just saying. You, our, you also might lose your butt just saying our Duh. money
0: line betting was very good last year we only picked money lines we don't we didn't pick any we didn't pick spreads but we, we did really good on money line betting last year like way better than uh public average Than the pros um so uh yeah and also the pros so you know maybe maybe it will be worth maybe something this year who knows uh Eric how, how do you feel what well, do
2: you? honestly is the guy in this room who isn't Nathan, you are very heavily into gambling right, in, a, but I, in a safe way.
0: But I like I never bet that much except no. for this week. No, but you I bet know. I bet like almost all of my bankroll on <laughs> on the Warriors to win their series before the series started. <laughs> I would be like down to like like nothing if I if the Warriors lose. So Oh well, you're go safe. Oh Warriors. You're yeah.
2: safe. <laughs> no, but I mean you you read the books, you know what you're doing, uh the sports books. You you know spreads you know exactly what it means. Kevin is in on this too. I'm like the novice in this room, but I'll be honest, it's enticing. It's pretty it's pretty enticing, especially when you look at the quick shot. Like we made the joke that I had the worst uh, season on the quick shot last year. I still had a damn good season. Yeah, you still were. Yeah. You yeah. still would have been in the mix with all the ESPN pros. And that's just really not even studying. Just like who are the who are the Titans playing this week? Oh, uh, I don't know. Ty. and it almost happened.
1: You know what I? The thing about sports betting, the leagues try and make their claims about, you know, purity of the sport, whatever, whatever. The fact of the matter is, a stupid Thursday night Titans versus Browns game. (laughs) Gross. You go put a dollar on it, and even if it's a dollar... You're going to have a lot more fun. Yeah, like it's sports betting in very small increments. It's like it's exactly like fantasy football. It's a way of just giving yourself something to invest in in the game that makes the game engaging and fun. It's dumb, and it's enjoyable.
0: Kevin's right. I bet in five dollar units, and until this Warriors bet, I never bet more than like ten or so units. Like the most I ever bet, and I I put like a, a set amount in my gambling account when I started and I've never added more and yeah it just makes the games more even with one five dollar unit on a game I'm just like so invested in who wins you know and I, I'll do I'll like think about the game before it starts and I'll tell you this paternity leave watching like a billion NBA games for two months I definitely figured out some stuff about the NBA I've been like literally on fire which is why I decided to like roll my whole bankroll bankroll into the <laughs> Warriors because I was like well you know I'm um, I've when you're hot, you're hot. Like, let's just go with it. Yeah. So,
1: but sports betting is fun, it's and just if fun. you aren't the type of person that's worried about getting addicted and overextending yourself, it's a really right. good day, really good way just to add a little enjoyment.
0: Yeah, my recommendation is find like some money you didn't expect to get. For me, it was fan- winning fantasy football this year, or you know, like, oh, I didn't expect to get this fifty bucks. Roll it into your online gambling account, and then don't add more for at least a year. Or you know? if you
1: like, let's say you go somewhere and you buy um, three beers in the course of watching a game. Buy two beers and place a five dollar bet. Right, exactly. Just have fun with it.
0: Replay, replace something else with it. Don't don't um, It's your entertainment money, you know. Don't think of it as like separate from that. And if you win, that that's unexpected. And you've expanded too. your entertainment yeah, budget. You, you just you'd have more money for entertainment. I wouldn't. Yeah, it's uh.
1: Please gamble responsibly. It's very. Folks.
0: It's it, I can totally see how people get addicted to it. Oh yeah. Because when I like I'm on fire right now in the NBA playoffs, and I'm like super excited all the time, and like just thinking about it all the time, and like it's not. It's not great.
1: It's an addictive feeling. You get you get a, do- a dopamine. Hit yeah, on it.
0: when you when you, when you bet your max unit bet and on on Boston to beat the Sixers in the series, and then it just rolls up like that. I was just like so into every game. I was like, yeah, the Sixers suck. I hate Ben Simmons. Like, <laughs> I had no investment in it beforehand. Prior to that, one Ben point,
1: Simmons is really kind of an interesting player right. and everything. One
0: point per game. What a loser. Or one point in a game. Yeah, got him. So yeah, all right. <laughs> Uh, that's that's it for NFL news for me. You guys got anything else you wanted to cover before we get into our favorite positional battles of of uh, of OTA slash camp? You um, hit my favorite story. All right, sweet. So let's go to um, the Seahawks' depth chart, and we're going to talk about three offensive positions this week that we think have really interesting positional battles. Okay, And I'm going to start off. I'm going to go wide receiver. Okay, The Seahawks right now are rostering 11 wide receivers. They're only going to keep five or six. And these are those wide receivers. You ready? Oh, sorry. They have 10. I, I counted Lockett twice on accident. Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, Marcus Johnson, Jaron Brown, Tanner McAvoy, David Moore, Amara Darbo, Cyril Grayson, DeMaurier, Stringfellow, and Caleb Scott. Okay, let's just cut a couple people off the end. Stringfellow and Scott aren't making the team. And we can cut a couple people off the top. Um, Baldwin, Lockett, and Brown are basically in. Okay,
1: oh, I would say uh, Stringfellow has a good chance of making it over more.
0: Okay, well, I don't think either of them will make the team. I agree. That, that's why I was going to get to, but uh,
1: <laughs> interesting. So there's an interesting thing
0: going on here though, where I think like Johnson, McAvoy, Darbo, Moore, and Grayson are all kind of fighting for two or maybe three spots, depending on how much they can contribute on special teams. So, uh, yeah, Johnson. Johnson brings a lot to the table, and he's the, he's the guy we traded for from Philadelphia. Um, he's young. He's from Texas. He's six. He's six feet tall. Um, he has like the physical tools I think we were looking for, and a guy who plays on the outside for us. But he uh, he's flamed out everywhere for a reason. Like he's definitely not a perfect. He's a prospect at this point in his career. He's really young, 23. Tanner McAvoy obviously has, like, the dual threat experience that I think is really interesting. He can throw. He can be a there on trick plays. He's pretty good pass catcher, and he's a really good special teams player. We spent a high traffic pick on Darbo last year. That's a big investment. I think the team sees that investment and might be gun-shy about cutting him, but it's kind of put-up-or-shut-up time for Darbo. Like, I think he needs to really do something this year, or he's going to be on the outs for us. Um, and then David, David Moore, uh, I don't... Think he's he's an athletic tool yes. small
1: small school guy who uh four, was an a, interesting flyer player, but he's very on the fringe He ran a roster. four four
0: three forty and he's really strong. He had twenty six bench presses, which is a real lot for a wide receiver. Uh so David Moore can kind of maybe kind of represent like that strength uh jump ball kind of guy that we had in Curse.
1: And then Cyril Grayson.
0: And then Cyril Grayson. Okay, this is the last guy I want to talk about. Cyril Grayson is short, but he is the literally the fastest person in the NFL. When you say short,
2: uh, he's not that short. He's five, five ten. Five, nine. Is he five, okay. Yeah,
0: he's 5'9", 183. He's, 20, he's old. He's 24 for for a bunch. He's, he's, when we brought him in, I think the thought was like, hey, we're going to use this guy on kickoffs. And now that's basically completely off the table with Rashad Penny coming in. Um, Penny's definitely going to return kicks for us. So now what is Grayson really here for? Um, he's here to try to burn people and hopefully learn how to be an NFL wide receiver. If he can put together any kind of route running, the, the speed that he brings is, is – Unmatched.
1: He is an Olympic <clears throat> level sprinter.
0: Yeah, he's there's no faster players in the NFL. None, not one. But that's all he is right now is just speed. So I don't. It's, I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, it's, it'd be cool to see him make the team, or because uh, you know that means he figured it out, right? He put together how to run an NFL route tree and how to be an NFL player. So. Let me, let's do it this way. Um, of the fringe players, so they got Marcus Johnson, Tanner McAvoy, David Moore, Amara Darbo, and Cyril Grayson. Pick two. Who, who's going to make the team? Eric, who do you got?
2: I like Amara Darbo. Okay. And oh, man, coin flip after that. I, I could see Grayson making this team. Uh, I don't think it's likely. Uh, man, I don't know. That's, that's tough. Uh, I like Darbo. I, I believe that They've they've kept uh they've kept him kind of secret. We talked about that. Man, I don't know. Darbo and coin flip after that. All right. Kev- I really I really just can't can't pull the trigger.
0: You need to see some preseason games. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I feel And you on I feel there.
2: dumb saying Grayson, but I don't know, man. I Did I we, feel like there's a reason why we hung on to him right? that whole year last year. He's been year. around for two years now. Yeah, screw it, Darbo and Grayson. All right. Kevin, who you got?
1: Uh for me it's definitely Darbo and I would say probably it's probably down to either Johnson or Grayson in my opinion though I don't know Stringfellow's a little bit bigger of a target and if the team really likes that he's kind of the biggest wide receiver option we have outside of McAvoy. McAvoy is extremely yeah, was, limited athletically though.
0: Yeah as I was gonna say McAvoy is huge. Uh, if we decide just we want to keep we need a tall guy on the team McAvoy might win out just based on that.
1: I'll talk about it in a second but there's a reason why I don't believe that's going to be the case. Yeah. So if I had to say I'd say it's Actually, Darbo and Grayson, I would tend to agree out of those, but it's going to be, I think, Darbo's as close to a lock for that fourth spot as you can be without being a lock. Like, if he comes out and just lays an egg in the preseason, then he's not going to make it. But I think anything short of that, and he's our fourth wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I like. The, I think the, the battle does come down to, you guys are right, Mark Johnson and Grayson and McAvoy for that last spot. And the John, Johnson, I feel like the team's really going to have an easy time getting him out of the practice squad. So I'm not really worried about him. So it comes down to McAvoy versus Grayson and it really comes down. Do do you value experience or do you value raw physical tools? If the team decides, you know what, the raw physical tools are great enough, they'll go with Grayson. If they think that the that the experience route running, the trick plays matters more, then McAvoy will be the guy. So it'll be interesting to see what happens as we head into the uh the actual uh regular regular season and the realistically, preseason. what's the Watch difference
1: out. between Cyril Grayson and Will Fuller? And Will Fuller runs really fast in a straight line.
0: Right. Racing Will, Fuller the, f- be able to do Will Fuller the fifth?
1: Yeah. Will Fuller, <laughs> the, Will, first, the first four are not in the league. Will
0: Fuller the fifth. Um, let me tell you something, buddy. That guy is a... Will Fuller V? A, Will Fuller V is a real good route runner, though. Like, I love the way he can, like, shakes his hips and get can lose a guy and make a guy stumble, you know, and like, then get, get by him. It's not just pure speed. I mean, he is really fast, also. I don't think he has
1: great positioning of the other guy. He has some... I, I, he is missing a lot of the subtle polish, that you want on a deep threat receiver, like Will, Will like, Fuller or Joe Grayson. Uh, Will Fuller, Joe Grayson is missing all the polish you want in any way you perform. I just
0: the thing I like about Will Fuller is that he just—I don't know—he's—he's he's like a—he was a touchdown machine last year. Like, but
1: that's the player I think that Joe Gray- Grayson could be, could become. I think that's what we're trying to get from him, and I appreciate the team going for that because that's a way of recruiting an outside receiver that's different than what the NFL typically finds in an outside receiver. See, and I
0: always just thought of Will Fuller as like be- Ted Ginn who can actually sort of run routes. Because
1: <laughs> yeah, Ted, Ted Ginn really doesn't run r- see, routes. See, because I thought Ted Ginn was Will Fuller that can catch.
0: Ooh, got him. But for, Will Fuller kind of proved you wrong last year. But before last year, you were right. Uh, the, the, the <laughs> that rookie, the rookie sides of the same That rookie here. year was tough for Will Fuller. I was and like, in college. Yeah, Drop but, city. But last year, he was he really came into his own. He did. All right, Eric. Yes. Your what position did you want to cover for your positional battle?
2: We're talking running backs here. And right. do you want? I was going to ask. Yeah, do you, you want me to go full backs no, on this? Just no. running backs. Okay. Thank let's you assume, very much. Let's There's a, so much to cover in running backs. I, I was sitting here and I was like, "We're gonna." Oh crap! I should really, really read a little on these fullbacks that I don't believe. We're
0: in. We're gonna uh, assume that the team keeps one one fullback this year, uh, because <laughs> yeah, don't worry too much about that right now. Uh, because the team is gonna yeah, the team has a plan. That seems like to. They were gonna, they're going to they're going to run some fullbacks out there, but okay. Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, C.J. Procyse, J.D. McKissick, and Trey Madden will be battling for either three or four roster spots.
2: And I think it's interesting that Trey Madden could be that fullback we keep. Um, he could be used in that role. I think this battle comes down to the five big names, and big names being like the guys who we know on this team. Mike Davis filled in last year for Chris Carson admirably. We have Chris Carson coming back. We have Rashad Penny, who is the rookie, and then we have two very similar players, third down backs and CJ Proseis and J.D. McKissick. Now, <clears throat> the Seahawks, are we going to keep three? Are we going to keep
0: four? Well, I think that they're going to keep four. Last year, we kept five, and everyone made fun of it for good reason, I think. The, the, t- the five was too many. Uh, And then we ended up needing all of them, so joke's on you. Yeah, joke's on on me, I guess. Everyone got hurt. Uh, Ha ha
1: ha. Let me
2: ask this uh, question to Kevin. Kevin, what would be the reason you would want to keep four running backs?
1: You'd want to keep four running backs because you usually have um, your primary back, your change of pace, you have your third down back, and then you want to keep one because uh, CJ Procise is made out of pixie sticks.
2: Yeah. Uh, And that's the thing. We have uh, JD McKissick, who's not... He doesn't really excel at anything. But he is that third down back. He's a
1: he's, he's an a, above average receiver. He's an
2: above back. average receiver as a running back, but not as a receiver. Whereas CJ Procise, if you put him in as a receiver, I'd be happy with him as an above average receiver. And he's a better
1: runner than McKissick.
2: He's a good route runner. He's faster. Uh, but and like as you a running said,
1: back, he can bust a big run. He just yeah, can't another, stay on the field.
0: Another thing about process is that he. He's, he could be like a special teams gunner, too, if he could just stay healthy. Like, he's, he's so athletic and, and good. Like, I
1: would not want to put him in a position on the football field that requires him to run towards other people. I'm just saying he did it before <laughs> in, in college. I think he it's interesting, though. He's What was the yeah. injury
2: that kept him out last year? He was a special teams ace. Um,
1: his leg fell
2: off. His leg did fall off. I guess this is probably make or break for CJ process this year, meaning if he doesn't stay healthy. He's not going to be on this team much longer. That's why I'd say you keep him and J.D. McKissick. Uh, going to like the, the meat of the running back battle, you have Rashad Penny, who I think it's probably his job to lose as the number one back. You have Chris Carson coming back from injury. Uh, where, he, where he will have the advantage over Rashad Penny is he's better at pass blocking. He also knows the scheme because he played for us last year, and he looked really good for this team. I don't want to give up on Chris Carson. But at the same time, he's coming off a big injury. Rashad Penny is the guy we drafted to probably be the heir apparent sooner rather than later. And because of that, I say, Mike Davis, thank you for your service. You are out of here.
0: Yeah, I, te- I actually completely agree with almost everything you said. I think the team wanted ProSize to take over as starting running back last year. I think that was their hope. He had every opportunity. That, and it just he it just, his ankle did not allow it. Um, I'm not willing to just roll him up and throw him away yet because he's 23 years old or 24 years old. He's very young still.
1: He's freakishly athletic and
0: he's super athletic. He's among the most athletic people on the whole team. And that run a,
1: against the Eagles on the outside, yeah, like you don't forget that.
0: You've seen flashes of it in games. I Pro-Size is the guy that he's the total wild card. If ProSize stays healthy, he could change this offense. Like there's the his, a, him on third downs would change this offense.
2: There's a thing about his hips though, and it's similar to Percy Harvin's hips. Meaning he is a little dude. He's a he's a very uh a slender man, if you will. And because of that, uh when he takes hits it it puts more pressure on the hips. I worry about that for CJ Procise.
0: See, that's the thing I thought that too for a long time, but then I looked up his like combine numbers and he was six foot two twenty, which seems like completely fine to me for that a... seems like a big man. for like That seems like a normal-sized running back, right? That's a, that's a um, good-sized running back, yeah. The, the number one NFL comparison for him coming out of college was Fred Jackson. If he can stay healthy, Fred Jackson would... In prime, Fred Jackson would be a perfect fit for what we need on third downs right Fred now. Fred
2: Jackson <laughs> may be the most underrated running back in NFL history. Well, the yeah, big thing is so if he good. could
1: be a third down back as a compliment to Rashad Penny, That is that is immediately becomes one of the better backfields.
0: Right. And Chris Carson's just the first down second down speller. Uh JD McKissick appears in gadget plays and plays special teams. I'm super into this this running back core. And I, I agree with with Eric. Like Mike Davis just thank you for what you did. As long as everyone stays healthy, you're gonna be the one that bites the dust. I and agree. Trey Madden Trey Madden does he have any chance to make the team, Kevin?
1: Uh I don't think so. He was kept around as basically a hybrid fullback tailback and I don't think that he fits into the system that the Seahawks are moving towards. He isn't really a blocker. He was a, he was a tailback in um, college at USC, and I think he's going to end up moving along. The only way I see either Madden or Davis making the roster is if Carson or Procise has to start the season on injured reserve.
0: Okay, I, I could totally agree with that. And then um, just to go to fullbacks, we're all rooting for Khalid Hill because he's literally a tank. Um, Like, uh, Uh, we'll get to that. I got this. He's literally uh, I think that if he's a he's um. what's what's what would you say, Kevin? His uh, is he his Sherman tank? Is he what kind of tank? tank (laughs) Uh, Okay, Kevin, what's your position that you want to do for your position battle?
1: So we'll be talking about tight ends. And Khalid Hill will actually be in this conversation.
0: Do you think there's a chance that he makes the roster as a as it as a considered to be tight end and not just as a fullback?
1: Uh, so there's something about the way that Schottenheimer likes to run his offense, where tight end and fullback are overlapping positions in a lot of ways. Okay, And when the Seahawks picked up Khalid Hill, something that was specifically mentioned was that Michigan had him rotate through as a pass catcher, and occasionally he would line up in tight end positions. So, I feel like there's a very good reason the team mentioned that. And based on the way Schottenheimer likes to run an offense, it would make sense they would want that flexibility. If you look in the past, he's had a lot of these guys that are in that like 6'2 to 6'4, 250 plus pound range that he'll have kind of rotate through. And yes, I did just tell you. Khlyd Hill is like he's six two, two sixty. 62 260 yeah this is a large human being
0: he's so big he started out in college as a defensive end and uh his number one strength according to his combine profile big boy with a very physical <laughs> demeanor
1: <laughs> you know who else started out as a defensive end uh will no. disley okay yeah is yeah, the other tight end that we picked up out of the draft this yeah, year
0: so there's some that's obviously we're looking for some kind of toughness from our from our defense or from our tight ends fullback yeah a yeah.
1: Blocker at tight end. For These are once recently two players that can block. These are two players that have a lot of toughness. They are players that can uh, be weapons in the offense, but they are primarily facilitators for others. If you have Khalid Hill and Will Disley blocking to like the same side on the same running play, you functionally have seven offensive linemen blocking on the play. So, uh, I think that. Glid Hill is an interesting piece in that way. Will Disley, uh, we picked up uh, Ed Dixon, who I like Nathan's hot take that it's possible he does not enter the season on the roster. But we'll see about that.
0: I, I think the way the draft shook out, like if Will Disley plays really good and uh, we decide we need to keep Nick Vanette, like Dixon, there's we have a lot of fullbacks and tight ends on this roster right now. Can I read them all off? Uh, uh Nick, so Nick uh, Vinette, Ed yep. Dixon, Will Disley, Tyrone Swoops, Clayton Wilson, who we just signed, doesn't have a number yet. UDFA, uh, Jolson, Fowler, uh, Khalid Hill, and Marcus Martin are all guys who are going to play this like either tight end or hybrid tight end, fullback that Kevin's talking about. This is a uh, it's a lot of dudes for probably only like what four, four positions,
2: four roster spots. Yeah. No, if we keep or if I'm sorry, if we cut Ed Dixon, we're going to owe him a little bit of money, right?
1: A very little bit, like. 800,000? Yeah, it's, it's no, a negligible it's, amount. It's, it's more. It's more than that, but it's like Ugh, more. It's, it's, I a it's a over little. a million, I believe.
0: No, I think it's more than that, Kevin. I think we'd own like 3 million if we cut him this year. That's he, not a little. he, he has got gar- a
2: guy who never played, that's a lot to he me. He has
0: guaranteed money in ne- this year and next year. Uh, let me let me look.
1: But doesn't the cap hit spread over two years? Uh,
0: if we cut him right now, 3.6 million in dead cap. I almost nailed that. Yeah, off the top of my head. I really have looked at this Spo page quite a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: uh I think the most likely scenario, in my opinion, would be it would shake out Nick Vanette, Ed Dixon, Will Disley, and Khalid Hill. It depends on what the team still sees in Tyrone Swoops. Tyrone Swoops is a physical specimen. He's also a guy. He played quarterback at Texas. He could be another gadget play type guy. I think that what you're going to see from Nick Vanette, there's people that are down on him right now. Uh, He hasn't had a ton of production as a Seahawk. Uh, Last season, in very limited play, he had 12 catches on 15 targets for 124 yards. His numbers were actually very similar to Luke Wilson, and I think that's the role he's going to be playing in the offense. He's going to be the catch-first tight end, but the difference is that Nick Van can actually block, and he's played in schemes where it requires him to be a blocker. So... What people are right now kind of panicking and going, well, we don't know if, uh, you know, they're getting all these guys. Nick Vanette's probably out. In my opinion, this is more that always compete. Let's bring in a lot of bodies okay. and see what shakes out because uh, Schottenheimer needs three three playable tight ends for in the tight end fullback category to be able to run the type of offense he wants
2: now, let me ask you about Vinette for a second we always we talked about you know when is Vinette gonna hit the field why is Luke Wilson on the field so much you said 12 catches on 15 targets that tells me he's better than Luke Wilson because he can catch the ball uh, <laughs> hey guess Fact. what you can, you can uh, yeah you can block us again if you want Luke that'd be the only thing you can block Ooh, which brings me to my next point. Nick Vanette can block better than Luke Wilson. Mm-hmm. Is Nick Vanette, is it a case of he's not seeing the field as much as... It's almost like Amara Darbo. Like, uh, when going back to wide receivers, Amara Darbo did not see a lot of the field. Nick Vanette has not seen a lot of the field. Is it one of those situations where this guy is going to be pretty good when he gets more reps?
1: I think he's 6'6", 260. He had a very overlapping skill set with Jimmy Graham. If we're looking for a guy that can be a red zone target, Nick Vanette can do that. In my brief interview with
2: Nick Vanette, I said, hey, man, are you the go-to guy this year? And he said, yeah, man, it's pretty much my job to lose. So that's there where you know. Nick Vanette's on it.
0: So I, I kind of agree with Nick in that case. Uh, and I think the big the big battle is going to be Dixon versus Swoops. To be honest with you, if Swoops can develop, his physical tools are the best of this group. Uh, that being said... Uh, Dixon has experience and is a proven, blo- uh, decent blocker. Run blocker, so, crap passer. So, yeah, <laughs> I actually. Kevin's always bringing that. little... Oh, I, I, it's it's true though. Like he yeah, gets a lot of credit yeah. as being like a good overall blocker. He's good at one kind of blocking. That's fine. It's good to be good at at uh, one at one. It's better than none.
1: Well, and if you put him, if you put Luke. so let's say you put Ed Dixon and Will Disley in there, right? So they're uh, so let's say you run a. Uh, Two wide receiver, two tight end, uh, fullback, running back kind of package, right? Um, You know, you put those guys in there, you can run to either side. You know, you put one of them in there. You can't do that. Yeah, sorry. You you put you put one tight end in there, and you put uh, Hill in there. Okay. You can run uh, to the tight end side, or you can run weak side and uh, use like there's a lot of flexibility in here as far as ways you can run out of the package.
0: Dixon too also was really good at pulling, like he. He found guys. I don't know in the tape that I, I thought was like which is something that uh, Luke
1: Wilson and Jimmy Graham are very weak at, and that we didn't see a lot of. This is Bennett.
0: a this is a very different tight ends group than last year. Yes. So what to watch for? Uh, Jolson Fowler, Marcus Martin, and Khalid Hill. One of these guys will make the team as the fullback. We all predict Hill. I think it's because we all fell in love with the the highlight video where he scored ten touchdowns in one season. <laughs> Podcast really likes it's him, very yeah. fun to watch. Um. Then of these tight ends, uh, probably
1: also I will say real quick. Hill's yeah. skill set fits what the offense wants to do.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. They they want to be able to pass to their fullback, for sure. I agree with that, Kevin. And they
1: want to be able to thump in the run game, and this dude thumps.
0: Yeah, and then the tight ends, three will make it. Um, Kevin seems pretty confident. Vanessa a lock. I, I tend to agree. The team invested a high pick in him, and the athletic and, and brain tools are all there. Uh, Disley, they just invested high picking him. They're not, he's not going anywhere. So now it leaves us with a battle between Dixon swoops and new signee Clayton Wilson, who we know less than nothing about. If uh, you
2: have hate in your heart, let it out.
0: <laughs> That's Clayton Bigsby. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, all right. So, uh, real quickly, our prediction, I think, uh, Kevin says Dixon, Eric, you say Dixon also? Uh, yeah, I say Dixon. And you know what? I love the physical tools and I liked watching him be the, uh, run special swoops. run play quarterback at Texas. So give me swoops.
2: Plus I feel like we need a, we need a veteran on that.
0: I was on, on Swoop. I was on Swoops from pre-draft, so like I want to be. I want to be on this island until he d- gets kicked out of the NFL. Uh, dude's
1: got tools. The thing I will say though is, a Swoops possibly could go on the practice squad again. Right. That wouldn't be shocking. No, I would not. Be and uh, B, I think we're going to carry a lot of bodies at these two positions because you want that going through the preseason. Right. Um, if you use a lot of two tight end packages or if you use a lot of tight end fullback packages, then you want those bodies in camp and in the preseason so that you aren't wearing out those guys.
0: Another thing to think about, too, is like if a Fetty doesn't win a starting job, he's going to be able to back up all guard and tackle positions. So that gives you a lot of flexibility to just not carry as many offensive linemen, right? When you have Odiambo and Effetti as your backups, you're like, okay, we have two guards and two, two we have two guys who can play guard and tackle in a pinch. Yeah, or postage. Then or... you just you keep Jamarco Jones and Joey Hunt as your other two. You just have four backups. You don't even need to have a fifth backup. Yep, this is um, true. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I like the position the team's in to maybe keep an extra guy in one of these positions that we talked about. What extra guy would you want us to keep that we think might get cut? Send us a message on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, whatever – your favorite medium is we'll go over our defensive position battles next week and i cannot wait to talk about what is going on with the seahawks safety so that's a te- kevin that's what we call in the business teaser you like that i feel teased you like the teaser all right so um let's get into the money zone the money zone where is where you can help the seahawks nest podcast continue to make podcasts if you head over on patreon.com slash seahawks nest you can join one of our 15 16 uh is it 16 17 17 biggest fans uh, gosh, it's
1: going up by the minute can't, folks. Can't even keep track
0: Sound of how Sound like many a people.
2: reality show mom with 17 kids.
0: So uh, proud of all of you. Our biggest our biggest fan forest coming in at the uh the 16 dollar level. Forrest, he gets to pick one movie we all have to watch and do a pod uh, do a movie zone about, a movie club about. And we excited
1: if you keep that we're going to do it for opening. Yeah, we're doing week. it
2: we're doing it week 1. So
1: Forest, uh let Make us it know a movie, what movie we can
2: get a hold of. Don't uh, if, don't have us do like uh if it's no. Really,
1: no. Do whatever movie you'd
0: if like. If it's really obscure, can you please send us the DVD? Yeah, I will. Thank you. I will give you my address if you uh, email me, uh, and we'll send it back. Other other top patrons: uh, Lucas, How uh, Carrie, Santo, uh, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Tom, Michelle, Brian, uh, Brian, Brett, Augustine. We love you all, uh, and everyone else that donates on Patreon. Now, pa- non-Patreon fans, you are poor. You. Have you're destitute? You're you're a teacher like me and Kevin. You can't afford <laughs> anything, uh, so so you uh you want to support the podcast another way? You head over to SoundCloud.com/slash uh, Seahawks Nest and you go ahead and put a heart on those tracks. You head over to your favorite podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. You give us a five star review. You go over to your favorite social media network, whether that's Facebook, boo, or <laughs> or, or, or Instagram, or uh, twitter and you give us a follow just go ahead and hit us on twitter.com slash seahawks nest facebook.com slash the seahawks nest and instagram.com slash seahawks nest podcast i don't know i haven't we haven't we are we're launching that at the beginning of the season so i actually haven't you're following nothing right now uh it, it's like a, you
1: may get the stray occasion
0: yeah there's gonna be might be a picture of my baby might pop up on there every once in a while so uh <laughs> it popped up in the twitter feed this chopped up in the twitter feed this week Yep. Uh it was a good picture. He was wearing a Seahawks onesie and I was like I got to post this on the podcast Twitter. So, all right, um Baby Blue Friday. We did, You know what? Uh we should have we should do a special teams one too cuz there's a special teams positional battle, isn't there? Yep, we'll talk, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. we'll talk about that. Well, I'll just pick one person. I just thought about that. Teams. This this Ryan versus Dixon thing is
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. We'll talk about that It's later. fun.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um yeah, the uh, movie zone this week. Uh I, I someone I know uh isn't it? He went through and he found like every movie that made over $150 million domestically but had a less than 60% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. I read all of these movies to Kevin and Eric and I said, what's one of these movies you want to go to bat for? What's one of these movies you want to say, hey, this movie... It should it deserves better. And it, after
1: it, Nathan and I played Rock, Paper, Scissors is, is, for National is, Treasure One. It I wasn't trash. Say. I was <laughs> say.
0: We all, all kind of battled it. Uh, so I I got National Treasure. So I um I'll go first because that's the one we want we all kind of want to say, and I'm sure everyone's gonna have a little piece to say about it. National Treasure. If you went it's into this treasure. if you went into this it movie is. expecting anything other than what you got, I what were you thinking? This movie It's <laughs> you it's Nicolas Cage as a historian trying to find finds a map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. What did you think was this movie was about? It's so stupid, but that's what makes it good. It's I need really to steal fun.
1: The Declaration of Independence. Nathan, we're going to have to rob the president.
0: Yeah. Ah, I got Benjamin Franklin's three-color glasses. Let's take him over to this church in New York. <laughs> that's like right. it's so stupid. Everything that happens in this movie is dumb and I love it. It's so fun. It's just like you just have to turn your brain off for a minute. And and uh and let just go for it. And I've watched National Treasure probably I don't know ten times, uh, mostly passively in the background while I corrected papers. Thanks, FX. And, and um, I'll just <laughs> say this: me and my sister, my sister has the DVD, and on the DVD they were like National Treasure, discover the secrets on the DVD. So we did it. We did like the whole National Treasure puzzle on the DVD, which I don't know if you've ever done something like this, but using a DVD remote to it's do things in, in anything <laughs> Very is difficult. not fun. Uh, and the extra we earned was like something so stupid. It was like a like a, it was a commentary track, but it wasn't the director or the actors. It was like someone else, the guy who gets the bagels, like a historian or something. And it's just like, oh my god, this is so corny. And <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I love National Treasure. That's I just wanted to show my commitment to National Treasure. You guys got anything to say about National Treasure?
2: I think it's uh nas- Like Kevin said, it's a National Treasure starring a National Treasure the movie's named National Treasure. What would you
1: expect? Face off? Face? face I mean, Nicolas off. Cage is, is the is the master <laughs> so of these I, movies. I had to bring it full circle with the next each real quote.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, hey man, this is a fun movie. Uh, I don't really care for National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets because I've already seen National Treasure 1.
0: I'm good. Look, if they make National Treasure 3, I I don't care what the plot of the movie is. I'm seeing it. I don't, it's. That's
1: because the plot doesn't matter. You know what's going to happen already.
0: I know it's going to be stupid. I don't care. Like, I want to see it.
1: it. My favorite thing was this came out the same time, like, the Da Vinci Code movies came out. This movie knew exactly what it wanted to be and was that. And for that reason, it is incredibly enjoyable. It's like the Italian job, it's unapologetically exactly what it is. Whereas, like, you know, Da Vinci Code was trying to be, like, pretentious. And it was. It took and itself too seriously, it was not good. right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, National Treasure, the thing I will say is the actiony parts are actiony. The heisty parts are heisty. The explorey parts are explorey. And the Nick Cagey <laughs> parts are Nick Cagey.
2: Which the whole movie is cagey. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny because the movie, it, like, it's just so easily like, oh. I wonder where we'll find it. Hey, what's this? It's on the back of the Declaration of Independence. You gotta because put you gotta everything put, falls in place. You gotta put lemon juice on it, Eric. That's
1: true. Uh, what should we do with this? I know. If we set it on fire, like the ancient Maya, it'd be yeah. like, "All right, cool." Let's, let's
2: there's see always what some when like fire. yeah. There's always some stupid science, like pseudo, in a tense moment that you know they're gonna get out of, or
1: will they? You know, it's like this whole thing. How are they gonna? How are they gonna find that? All right, guys. I got an idea. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna get some lemons. Yeah.
0: Okay. So here's my, here's my thing, guys. Uh, National Treasure Three script done. Bruckheimer says it's ready to go. Disney not satisfied with the quality of oh. the script. What? To which I say, do you even understand what this series is about, Disney? Right? The quality of the script does not matter. Um, all right, uh, Kevin.
1: Wait, wait. I want the sequel to be uh, Nick Cage finds out that he has a kid that is an adult kid, and they go on the adventure together. Indiana Jones: the Last Crusade so That's what I'm hoping for. It's too good, <laughs> Kevin. That'd be gold. What's your movie? All right, so my movie I chose was uh, Hancock, the 2008 uh, superhero movie starring Will Smith, uh, Charlize Theron, and Jason Bateman is prominent. I don't know if any movie ever stars Jason Bateman. But he's <laughs> prominent in the movie. Game, Game Night,
0: too. Game Night definitely starred Jason Bateman okay, as right. someone who saw Game Night.
1: So, uh, if you haven't seen it before, uh, Hancock, uh, John Hancock, because that joke needed to be made, <laughs> played so by dumb. Will Smith, is a down and out alcoholic superhero in Los Angeles. And Will Smith plays this role so well. Absolutely beautifully. He, this movie spoofs a superhero genre that hadn't really come to form yet like this is when the um the first spider-man series was going through the less successful hulk had come out
2: yeah
1: um this is when this is right about the time iron man's coming out so the genre hadn't really taken off yet but this is spoofing it really hard Like, they do the superhero landing and screw up the roads. And everyone's around like, couldn't you land softer? God, you're such a jerk. Uh, He solves problems, but he solves everything in the most blunt force manner possible. And the problem with the movie is the ending is really unsatisfying. And they wrap things up in a way that is just not great. But the first, like, three-fourths of this movie is really, really enjoyable. And as Nathan would tell you, if they could have made this, if they would have chosen to make this a rated R movie, if this came out now and was given, like, the full Deadpool treatment, it could have been a excellent movie. Because the first, like, half to two-thirds of this movie is, like, an eight. And then, the like, the last third of the movie... Is like a five. Does it
2: drag, Kevin, or is it, do you just not like what goes on?
1: Um, in my opinion, it gets very messy, and, and it feels they like put the, too
2: many ingredients in the soup. Yep.
0: it's like It feels like they just try to do too many things in, like, 30 minutes. They're like, they have this really solid, like, tight one hour and 20 minutes, and they're like, well, these last 30 minutes, just get all this stuff in there. And they're like, oh, okay, and we'll make it happen. Yeah. But, it's a, I think it's a. It's a fun movie. It's it's a, it's a really fun watch. Uh, There's
1: some great lines in there. There's yeah. a a bully that's a little fat French kid, who uh, calls him an asshole, and gets I, thrown into the stratosphere.
0: <laughs> I kind of really wish that the movie was a little edgier and and went for that and was an R rated movie. I think it might have been a movie that I enjoyed more, even if it was like an an art house. It would have that would have made it kind of an art house film. I don't think it would have made six hundred million dollars if that happened, uh, but. Yeah.
1: there were not a lot of good movies coming out in that. That that was a lean time for quality movies, though, and this was one of the better movies of those years.
2: That's crazy. Never see it. Never right. seen
1: it.
0: All right. Well, you you you'll you'd have fun watching it, Eric. As someone who enjoys superhero movies, it, uh, until we had Deadpool, this was the only like real, um, you know, commentary we had on the superhero genre. Was, was this movie.
1: Yeah, I highly recommend. I think it's a movie you should see. If you have not seen this movie, if you've not seen Hancock, and you enjoy superhero movies, but feel like they take themselves a little too seriously.
0: I mean, Vince Gilligan of Breaking Bad, the, the guy who made Breaking Bad, is the guy who wrote, wrote rewrote the Hancock script. Yep. So, like, it's got his trademark kind of style zingers, whatever you want to call it, um, line, lines, like, they're big lines.
1: Uh, the way that they shoot certain scenes, too, they kind of use this almost like news really footage parts, and it creates an interesting feel. Uh, it, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Avengers 1 kind of stole it from them, where there's these parts where you feel like it's flipping between the view that you have as the person watching the movie and the view that the people in the movie have of what's happening. And it creates this kind of cool cinematic style for some of the superhero moments. And that was really enjoyable Like The movie It sets out to do a thing and it does it really well It just gets really cluttered at the end
0: Alright mm-hmm. then um Kevin That's your movie Hancock So now we, we recommend Rotten Tomatoes Movies that are rotten
2: you should see Hancock You should watch National Treasure Eric what is your movie I'm going to uh I was shocked To see this on the list very disappointed Tron Legacy Sweet. Which like is the movie. uh which I stole This from you Nathan Uh, I know you wanted to do this movie. This movie came out in 2012? 10. 2010, wow. Uh, I will say the only bad thing about this movie, and I'll just lead with this, is it's doing the motion capture, recreating an actor, making them younger thing that was uh, being pioneered at this time. And up until very recently with uh, one of the Avengers movies, it hasn't been done very well. And Jeff Bridges, the dude himself.
1: God, his voice is so good and perfect in this movie. Still
2: playing the dude. Still playing the dude. Uh, still playing the uh, the main character, who I can't remember his name at the moment. Um, he's basically been trapped in Tron. His son, which, you know, they're trying to bring Tron to a younger generation. His son goes looking for him, goes to the arcade, gets uh, gets transported into the world uh, that, is, that his dad created, this video game world. And he goes to find his dad. This movie has a lot of action. It has enough plot. I'm not going to say it has a very deep plot, but it has a good enough plot. It's got a great soundtrack by Daft Punk. Oh, it's, the soundtrack is incredible. It's it's maybe yes. the best part of the movie. And it's really fitting. And really, the it's completely fitting. But also, the, the special effects in this movie are great. It's because it recreates Tron, the original '80s Disney movie that. Tried to make it look like this video game computer generated thing. Now is when the effects take center stage. It's just a really fun, really cool looking movie. That's one thing I can say about it. It's really cool looking. You know, if anything, after I watched it, I was like, man, why can't we all just wear these black body suits that light up with piping neon piping and have discs on our back and
1: throw the discs and yeah that. and that'd be pretty cool light cycle
0: i got a I got a couple things about this one uh, michael sheen is awesome in this movie he plays like a like a flamboyant like uh, he's the club owner club owner guy and mm-hmm. he's incredible he steals every uh, scene he's in yeah and yeah agreed and olivia wilde people trash on her performance in this movie but i think it was actually really good like it was exactly what it was supposed to be, which is like computer generated character, right? She's an AI that's like learning like how to be human mm-hmm. and uh, how to act human, and I thought it was really cool, like what they did in that. And by the end of the movie, she's like kind of a badass, and so like I liked that what what they did with uh,
2: with her, you know, character progression. Uh, uh, Flynn, that's uh, that's Jeff Bridges' character's name, right? Correct. Yeah. Flynn's Arcade. What is the world that Tron is set in? Because it's not Tron. Tron is it's, the name it's of NCom's the, virtual reality or something like that. It's yeah, nice. the, uh, the the Tron is the character of the the hero Alan of the video game.
1: Bruce Boxleitner.
2: Bruce Boxleitner is in this movie in the yep. very beginning, which is great because he's not in a whole lot. Um, but yeah, the uh, yeah, and then Jeff Bridges is
0: also like the, the villain in the movie because yeah, he plays like the yes. he like cloned himself to uh, to make to hack the the video game and then
1: his clone basically it, uh, locked him in and that's like the that's the plot of the movie takes over yeah so. and that's
2: that's where you get the the dual role because you know it's they CG items so you could play two roles and it just looks weird I mean you could say like ooh, it's in a in a separate world but it just nobody else looks weird and Clue looks really weird
1: yeah it's, right. not it's a quite, it's off. not quite like a twilight face superman in uh justice league <laughs> no. but it is a little distracting at times it's dead face it's all right digital dead face so uh i will say tron, I, there's like parts it. of this movie that dragged a little bit that is my critique really there's a few parts where i felt like they oh they when they go back to explained when they house. could have shown yeah i think um i think there's also a couple of times like when he's explaining what happened with clue inside of tron and he's like catching his son up it's I, I kind of wish they would have show and not tell for mm-hmm. a couple of those things. I can things. make that. I can make that.
0: movie was already long. I think that's why they did it that way. Because um, it's a pretty long movie. But the the director goes on to do some really cool stuff. Oblivion, which I think is a, a really, really underrated movie. We will movie club that one when Kevin has a chance to watch it. Yeah, I'd want to see that. And then um, he's, making the, he's also making the Top Gun uh, remake, which I can't be worse than the original Top Gun. Ooh, come at me. Come at me, Top Gun lovers. Uh, For Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronevac, I'm Nathan Santo, and I hate Top Gun. Go Hawks.
1: The good time.